The World Economic Forum has made some startling predictions about the year 2030. And you know, that's now just about six years away. They said, you will own nothing and be happy. We'll eat less meat, and America will no longer be a superpower, just another nation among many. And transhumanism, your vital organs will be made on a 3D printer. It all sounds science fiction, or maybe dystopian. No one I know wants that future. Maybe it'll never happen. Except it is happening all around us. And like a frog in a kettle, everything is getting warmer and the speed of change is lulling us to sleep. Case in point, did you notice how fast we accepted mass lockdowns and vaccine mandates and everybody covered their face, even little kids? The crowd just went along. Have you noticed home ownership is already falling off a cliff due to higher interest rates and out of reach prices. Nobody wants to sell their house now because they got a 3% mortgage that they locked in three years ago. It's like, well, I can't put my house on the market, which means that we don't have a whole lot of houses on the market, which causes prices to go up, which means that people looking for homes now are really priced out of the market. They get a fraction of what they could have gotten a few years ago at a higher price. You know what else that means? That means debt is piling up. We just set an all-time record for consumer debt as measured by credit cards. But even then, that 1.08 trillion, all the credit card debt in America combined, is less than the amount of debt that our federal government racked up over the past five months. You know, even central bank digital currency, which is heading towards us like a freight train, is designed for you to own nothing not even your money. You know, you don't own your movies anymore. Do you remember DVDs and before that VHS tapes? Now, you don't even go to a store to rent them. You just rent them online or you pay monthly to stream them. Same with your computer software. It's all a service. You don't own the Microsoft Outlook on your computer. They own it. And you agree to their terms of service in order to use it. Now, we explained all this in my latest book, Pirate Money, and I'm gonna to turn to chapter four, pages 63 to 64, and I'm gonna read you just a little story here. This is a, from a Forbes article written by Ida Aachen, young global leader and member of Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization. The title, Welcome to 2030, I Own Nothing, Have No Privacy, and Life Has Never Been Better, she says as she blinks her eyes, hoping someone will rescue her. Here's some excerpts. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or, or should I say our city? I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. How did they become free? This is fantasy world. There's no way they'll be free. But anyway, I digress. Sometimes I use my bike when I want to go out and see some of my friends. I enjoy the exercise and the ride. It kind of gets the soul to come along on the journey. Funny how some things never seem to lose their excitement. Walking, biking, cooking, drawing, and growing plants. It makes perfect sense and reminds us of how our culture emerged out of a close relationship with nature. 
In our city, we don't pay rent because someone else is using our free space when we don't need it. Wait, what? Somebody's going in my bedroom and my bathroom just because I'm out of the building for a bit? That sounds like a stalker or a criminal. No, 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 this is the way it's gonna be in the new city. My living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. Oh yeah, that's good for the furniture. Oh, that's right, I don't own the furniture, right. Once in a while, I'll choose to cook for myself. It's easy. The necessary kitchen equipment is delivered at my door within minutes. Since transport became free, we stopped having all those things stuffed into our home. Why keep a pasta maker and crepe cooker crammed into our cupboards? We can just order them when we need them. Oh yeah, and who's making money off all this? This also made the breakthrough of the circular economy easier. When products are turned into services, no one has an interest in things with a short lifespan. You know what, if you don't own it, no one has interest in even keeping it in good working condition. <laughs> that's, that's the simple economic truth. Talk about not shopping, she goes on here. Here's the conclusion, she said, once in a while I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. That's the reality, there we get to it. No privacy, no ownership, the World Economic Forum's vision and it's heading straight towards us like a freight train. Did you know that starting in the 2030s, the magic decade that they talk about, the overlords who wanna take control of our lives, in 2030, new gasoline power cars will not be available for sale in many states. Is that because electric vehicles are better for the environment? Superior modes of transportation, more fun to drive, less costly to own? If that were true, why do they need mandates to force us to use them? Now, get it. Who doesn't want to own a Tesla? I want the choice to own one for sure. And Tesla, being free market competition, has greatly expanded automobile choice, brought innovation, and improved the market overall. But that's the old way, where you as a consumer have a choice. The new model is mandates. Just like when they replaced incandescent light bulbs with fluorescent a few years back, they, busy body bureaucrats, regulators, are telling us that we no longer can own gasoline-powered cars, regardless of what we want. Is their agenda pure? Of course not. Their motives are obvious to anyone who looks carefully. Here's a headline. This is October 17th, 2023. Another blue state unleashes electric vehicle mandate. We're walking the walk. Yeah, you're driving us to that dystopian future. Now the case for electric vehicles doesn't hold up under scrutiny. And the price of EVs is off the charts from a personal and a societal perspective. Better for energy? Hardly. A savior for the environment? Absolutely not. Savings for consumers? Not when you look at the real costs. This is a power play, pure and simple, to herd us like sheep into the new world order. We have the facts, the economic facts. This is an economic war against you, against your liberty, pre-planned and about to be executed. You, my friends, are about to be zapped. We'll explain that. We're gonna dig deep into electric vehicles and what they actually cost. We have to take a break first. When we come back, we're gonna pick up with a report from my friend, Jason Isaac, from the Texas Public Policy Foundation. 
In episode 249, we featured our friend Jason Isaac from Texas Public Policy Foundation. He was discussing the great energy scam. Jason's a brilliant man who's dug deep into the false claims regarding fossil fuels. You know, like they're killing us, when in reality, harnessing oil and natural gas has improved our lives in so many ways. He showed us a video. What would life be like without oil or natural gas? There was no alarm clock when you woke up. There was no toothbrush. There were no slippers. You had a cold breakfast. There was no way to get to work if you had a job at all. No cell phone, no media, really. And yet, as Jason pointed out, there are people, some sincere, but mostly money-grubbing power mongers who want to ban you from using the amazing resource of oil and natural gas. We're being sold a fantasy world. It's sort of like those vacation brochures. You know, it looks gorgeous on paper, but when you get there, it is a single wide mobile home with an above ground pool where the water is green and there's hair on the towels and the electricity shorts out your computer when you plug in. Okay, I'll admit it, that really actually happened to me and I will never let my wife live it down. She's like, oh, it looks so beautiful. Let's go do this timeshare. We'll spend the night and then we can buy. No, <laughs> I learned my lesson. And that is the fantasy world that we're being sold with this whole Green New Deal. I say all this because Jason Isaac, along with Brent Bennett, has an amazing new report out from Texas Public Policy Foundation that unmasks the true cost of electric vehicles. We'll put a link to the full report in this week's economic battle plan but I'd like to share a few excerpts from the report. Here on page three, I'll read it to you. It says, EV advocates claim that the cost of electricity for EV owners is equal to $1.21 per gallon of gasoline. That's Edison Electric Institute from 2021. Hey, that's exciting. I'd like that, $1.21 gas. Man, I don't remember those. Those are so long ago. Gosh, that was pre-Biden. Uh, but the cost of charging equipment and charging losses averaged out over 10 years and 120,000 miles is $1.38 per gallon equivalent on top of that. Okay, so it's not quite as good a deal. It's $1.21 plus $1.38. That's $2.59. That's, that's not too bad. Oh, wait, it goes on. Adding the cost of the subsidies to the true cost of fueling an EV would equate to an EV owner paying $17.33 per gallon of gasoline. I read that correctly, $17.33. And these estimates do not include the hundreds of billions more in subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act from 2022 for various aspects of the EV supply chain, particularly for battery manufacturing. It is not an overstatement to say that the federal government is subsidizing EVs to a greater degree than even wind and solar electricity generation and embarking on an unprecedented endeavor to remake the entire American auto industry. This report is called Overcharged Expectations, Unmasking the True Cost of Electric Vehicles. Let me go on. It says the Ford Motor Company is losing over $70,000 on each EV it currently sells. EV enthusiasts are holding out for breakthroughs in battery technology, batteries being the main factor in the high cost of EVs, to reduce prices and make EVs more widespread. But advances in battery technology are measured not in months, but in decades, and the downward trend of lithium-ion battery costs over the past decade has largely ended. That's from the International Energy Agency. 
So what we've got is we've got a really bad deal being sold to us, foisted upon us. We're paying over $17 a gallon equivalent to drive an electric vehicle. You don't notice that because it's coming out of your tax dollars. It's coming with incentives. And that's why they have to mandate it because they know the federal government cannot continue to subsidize electric vehicles to the degree that they've done and make them economical. What will happen is they're going to force you to use them. I'll turn to the next page on page four. It says, when an EV owner connects to the electric grid, how much are they paying for the extra generation, transmission, and distribution costs that they are imposing on the grid, and will those embedded costs rise over time? You know, we're not expanding our electric grid, just the use of it, especially with electric vehicles. All right, so I want you to look at this chart. This is figure 1B from the report. You found it on page 5. The title is Subsidies and Excess Charging Costs Accrued by a um, MY 2021 Electric Vehicle Over 10 Years Expressed in Terms of the Cost Per Equivalent in Gallon of Gasoline. Now look at that. It's got residential electricity costs, $1.21. Additional charging and metering costs, we covered that, $1.38. But then federal and state EV buyer tax credits and rebates. Where's that money come from? Where's the federal government get their money? They get it from you in taxes. Or they borrow it, put you further in debt. Then there's 40 cents for avoided charging infrastructure costs and incremental generation, transmission, and distribution costs, $3.18 a gallon. California and other state uh, EV mandates and credits, $1.48. You add it all up, including the corporate uh, average fuel economy credits that they're giving to these companies, to these cars, it's $17.33 a gallon. Quoting from page six of the report, what's not hidden is the desire of federal regulators to use these standards to force Americans to buy EVs. And when the latest standards were announced earlier this year, the Biden administration prominently noted that they are designed to make 67% of new light duty vehicles sold in the U.S. all electric by the year 2032. And that is from the White House. Do people want these cars? For Tesla, maybe. Tesla produces profits, albeit some of that has come from subsidies. But other EV makers, not so much. According to the report, which I quoted, page 10, despite the current incentives in place, the Ford Motor Company is losing 70,000 on each EV it currently sells. And inventory is stacking up in dealer lots for several brands as sales are not keeping pace with government mandated production. Therefore, it is likely that automakers will be requesting even more direct subsidies in the coming years. This explains the mandates. People don't want to be forced into electric vehicles. For some, it's a convenience. For some, it's cost. For others, it's preference. But the government is forcing this on us. Why? Money, control, and ignorance. Did you know, however, that the rush to mandate EVs is already being exposed for its foolishness? Here are a few headlines. When you piece them together, you see how bad this already is. A new law supercharged electric vehicle manufacturing, but not sales. November 8, 2023, New York Times. Washington Examiner. New York turns back to diesel snowplows and leaves electric vehicles behind. November 10, 2023, Washington Examiner. Auto giant recalls almost 1.9 million vehicles to fix batteries. That's WorldNet Daily, November 2nd, 2023. Wall Street Journal. October 29th said, brace for the wind and electric vehicle bailouts. And here, 
Automotive Drive, GM abandons plans to build 400,000 EVs by mid-2024. That's October 24th of this year. That's just two weeks of headlines. I have hundreds more that will clearly show people don't want to be forced into electric cars. Let's take a break and we'll be back. When you consider electric vehicles, there are three main points. One, people don't want to be forced into electric cars. Two, the government is doing it anyway using your money. And three, this will be an economic and climate disaster. Batteries alone are a climate disaster, but the impact of electricity needs cannot be ignored either. And wind and solar can't meet existing power grid needs. What if we made all cars electric? There's no way the grid could keep up. There'll be power outages, the end of society, grid down stuff, you know, uh, one second after and lights out kind of bad deals. Can the lawmakers and regulators be that stupid? Some are, but not everyone. Why are they mandating? Well, let's look at who wins from this. There are three big winners. One, leftist progressives who get total control. If you have an electric vehicle, they can control you. Two is China, where they make a lot of the components that go in electric vehicles. And three, an unholy alliance between those two and the third group, which is those who wish to see us go back to the Stone Ages and love Mother Earth and all of the crazy environmentalists that really, really wish that we weren't an advanced society at all. All right, let's start with the ability to control you. Gas-powered cars are liberty. They're the ability to get in your car and you can drive hundreds of miles before you need gas. And then you can stop and get gas at any number of roadside stations, pay for it with cash, and keep driving. The infrastructure is already in place. You can go wherever you want. We have an interstate highway system. It takes you five minutes to fuel up and you can drive 300 miles on it. An electric vehicle? That's a computer on wheels but someone else owns the operating system, which means they can limit your driving. A lot of people are worried about kill switches on cars. You don't need a kill switch on an electric car. All you have to need have is access to the software. Think about this. When they put smart meters on your home, they started to tell you when you needed to dim the lights and not to run the air conditioning when it's hot, and they can monitor everything you do in the house. Now. You think the people that wanted to put smart meters on your home are going to allow you to charge your cars whenever you want to? It's the ultimate kill switch. It's hackable. It's a backdoor for China if they built any of the components or the government. You can be monitored all the time and we'll do this for your safety. It's not freedom, it's the opposite of freedom. Again, don't get me wrong. As an option and in the right situation, electric vehicles make sense. Now, I like windmills, too. I do. They look beautiful on the Dutch countryside. I like them. You know, you're driving through Pennsylvania, see a quaint windmill. That's beautiful and wonderful. And I don't even mind them in places where there's lots of wind and it helps add to the electric grid. But I don't want them covering half the United States because they're mandated. I don't want them killing life at sea because they're mandated. The problem is that all common sense and market mechanisms are being ignored common sense is gone, they're forcing electric vehicles. It boils down to three parties. One, those who want to profit. They have no problem in profiting now, but they want to force behavior so they can increase their profits. Number two, those who want to harm us. 
you know, Thanos style from the old Marvel movies who wanted to reduce the population by half. So they'd be happy to tear down the electric grid, crash the system, et cetera. You know, China and the Communist Party in China, by the way, they want to do both. They want to profit from us and they want to harm us both. There's kind of the twofer there. You know, China develops a lot of the batteries and the technology for electric vehicles. And Chinese want to flood America with Chinese-made electric vehicles. And they're fighting in Congress and, and in states right now to do that. We have tariffs and barriers, as there should be, uh, but they're trying to get around them because electric vehicles are a data collection device. They're a computer on wheels, like I said, and we can't let China control them. The third group is best described as the useful idiots. These are the true believers in the Green New Deal who seem to think that your drive to pick up your kids in a Chevy Tahoe is somehow going to turn into a monster and come and strangle them in their sleep in a few weeks. <laughs> this is their religion. And some of them can't even be talked out of it with reason or facts. And if you try, they'll see a need to eliminate you because you're spouting misinformation or disinformation or whatever. They want to shut you down. So how do we respond? The electric vehicle movement seems unstoppable with bureaucrats, crony capitalists, environmentalist wackos, and Chinese lobbyists intent on forcing you into an all-electric vehicle. So here's our action plan of response. Number one, the first thing we must do is to pull back on all the incentives. This is a political problem. By the way, did you know Tesla lost a lot of their tax credits in 2018? The credit disappeared when Tesla manufactured and delivered 200,000 vehicles. Basically, we shouldn't have to reward those who are not succeeding and take away the rewards from those who are succeeding. The point is that Tesla has proven that free market works if you build an EV that people actually want, but when you know it, because Tesla's founder Elon Musk supports free speech at Twitter, Tesla no longer qualifies as a good ESG company. That's right, Tesla got cut from the good ESG index list despite the fact that they're the world's leading electric car maker. ExxonMobil is allowed in that list because they support diversity even though they produce that awful gasoline. How crazy and hypocritical is that? Step number one is to get the distorting, hypocritical incentives out of the way. As we learned from Texas Public Policy Foundation, they make EVs appear to be price competitive as transportation. But when you add in all the costs, the cost per gallon is the equivalent of a dollar of $17.33. That is not a good deal. Step two is to eliminate the mandates and let consumers decide what cars they would like to drive. Consumer choice is the bedrock of a properly functioning economy. Step number three. If there were to be a regulation, maybe it would make more sense to limit electric vehicles until we have sufficient power supply on the electric grid. We would regulate the opposite direction. Fourth, we need to begin a proper education program on the true costs of electric vehicles. It might not be possible to sway all of the useful idiots, but many might be horrified to hear the actual cost to the environment from extracting all that lithium, or the fact that China's electric fleet is powered by coal, or that consumers get stuck when the battery fails and they have to pay $25,000 repair bill. Number five, we must weaponize our money for this fight. We're already seeing automakers struggling. How should your investments be made? That's what we do through the NSIC. We train financial advisors to help you make your sound investments. 
Go to NSIC.org to learn more. Bottom line, this is another aspect of the economic war we're, we're fighting, and we've got to win it. We'll summarize all of this in our free economic battle plan. You can find it at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.